This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, Episode 9. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Greetings. Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant Baldwin, and uh, I'm so honored excited that you decided to hang out with us today. Whatever's going on in life, wherever you may be, whatever you're pondering or chewing on, it really means a lot that you decided to spend part of your day with us. And uh, today we've got a great, great interview with you. I'm super, super uh, pleased and excited to share with you my talk with Laura Roeder. Uh, and Laura, actually, she is kind of a social media wizard. Yeah, let's just describe her as that. And she is someone who is just um, has really made a name for herself in the social media space. You can actually find out all about Laura Roeder at L. LKR, those letters, lkrsocialmedia.com. We will link up to that in the show notes at grantwaldon.com slash Laura Roeder, R-O-E-D-E-R. So make sure that you, you check that out. But some couple things I want you to catch with Laura's story today is she was someone who, who really took the angle with her career of figuring out not only what she wanted to do and what she liked to do, but also the kind of lifestyle she wanted to have. And so she makes a couple different transitions and pivots along the way in her career to really hone in on what it is that she wanted to do and the kind of life that she wanted to create for herself. So you'll hear that story. You'll also hear about her kind of her first career at an ad agency, how she quickly discovered what she didn't like about it and how that set her down the path to create her own destiny definition of success. Maybe you're living that right now. Maybe you are in one of your first real career jobs and it's not what you thought it would be at all. You signed up for this thing thinking it was X and it turns out it's Y and you are just, you're hating it. You're wanting out and you're wanting to do something different. Maybe you're, you, you know, it's not this, but you don't know what it is that you're going towards. And we hope that this podcast, not only this episode with Laura, but this entire, this entire show, we hope it, it becomes a, an encouragement and inspiration for you to find and do the work that you love. A couple other things that from Laura that are pretty cool. One, just two separate occasions where she walked away something that was working, that was fine. It was totally great. But she knew it was not what she wanted long term. She knew she wanted to pursue something else that was a better fit for the lifestyle she wanted to create. So uh, really, really cool leaps, plural, that she made there. Uh, some really cool stuff. And then you'll hear me giving her plenty of crap about living in Greece. She's living the dream today. She uh, lives with her husband in Europe, and they've been able to kind of bounce around Europe a little bit. She's able to operate her business from anywhere in the world. But again, that's because of a very intentional decision that she's made and the type of life that she wanted to create. So hope you enjoy this episode with Laura. Again, like I mentioned to you, you can find all the show notes at grantbaldon.com slash Laura Roeder. Make sure you stop by and you check that out. Also, I'll give you one other little preface here. I'm kind of new to this podcasting thing. So we're only, I think we're like 10 episodes in here. And uh, after I recorded this episode with Laura, I realized that my microphone hadn't been on the entire time. That's a good feeling. Not so much. So actually, it, you still pick up the audio, but it's just picking up the audio from my computer, and so it's just not as clear as this sexy microphone that you're listening to now. So uh, I just want to give you a heads up on that. If you notice there's something different about the audio, that's what's different. So anyway, here is my interview with Laura. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
All right. Well, today I'm hanging out with my friend Laura Rhoda. Laura, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm calling in from Greece today, so I'm, I'm a happy camper. You just feel the need to just rub that in our faces, don't you? Because <laughs> rest- we are not sitting in Greece right now. We are in cars and gyms and classes, and yeah, there you are, live, living the dream. So we got to figure out well, well, how you got to live in Greece and how, you, how, you're, how you're doing that today. So tell us, uh, start off with what, what's kind of what, what you do, what's your business like, what, what kind of makes up uh, how you make a living. Yeah, so I own my own business and my company teaches entrepreneurs about social media marketing. My business is kind of unique because it's all online. So like I said, I'm in Greece. Previously, I was in London. Next you just have to California. keep coming back to Greece. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we are less than a minute in here and you've already mentioned that you're in Greece twice. So killing us, killing us. All right, so social media marketing, what exactly yeah. does that mean? How are you teaching other people that? So that means promoting your small business business on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. And my company does that via online training. So I often use the analogy of Rosetta Stone. You know, if you use Rosetta Stone to learn a language, you don't have a one-on-one tutor. You're also not going to a live seminar or anything like that. My business is the same. We use videos and online materials to train small business owners how to do their own social media marketing. And I'm sure you need some Rosetta Stone to speak Greece or Greek or whatever <laughs> you, you got going over there. I know we're well, in Greece. We get it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, is this something that you've always wanted to do, something that's appealed to you, or how did you start to kind of stumble into it? No, it's really not. Uh, when I went to university, I thought that I would be a graphic designer, and I studied advertising. Uh, I went to the University of Texas, and I studied advertising, but I thought I was going to have more of a design component to my advertising program because they had this special creative program for people who were going into art direction and stuff like that. I didn't actually actually end up studying very much design, but I taught myself design through jobs and internships and things like that. So I thought that I was going to be a graphic designer when I graduated from college. All right. So let's back up a little bit. So you grew up born and raised in Texas? Yep. In Austin, Texas. Okay. So um, what was life like growing up? What did you always wanted to be as, as a kid? Uh, you know, I wasn't one of those kids that had like one clear thing. I, I loved to read and I loved to write. So I think I thought maybe something, I remember I wanted to be a speech writer at some point. Nice. I thought that sounded cool. But something around reading or writing, or my father's an architect, and I've always really looked up to him. So, also maybe something in the arts in some way, which I guess is what led me to design. Gotcha. Now, as a kid, were you an entrepreneur? Did you always just kind of have that hustle and drive where you were into to babysitting or selling something or, or whatever just to make a buck? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I remember like I had little things that I did. Like one year I set up this dance camp for kids in the neighborhood where like the older kids taught the younger ones. Dance that is awesome. Dance. How old were you then? I was probably like about in the fifth grade when I did that. You set up a dance camp that you charged the neighborhood <laughs> kids to come to. I don't, I don't know if any money changed yet. Well, I'm sure I probably tried to get a little money. I so. can just picture young Laura Roder accepting Square and PayPal for a dance <laughs> right. camp. That's cool. Yes. If that had been around, I would have been all about Square. So did you kind of have like that just kind of internal drive? Like, I don't want to work for someone else or I don't want to do this or where, where did that kind of come from? I mean, I'm very lucky that my my family owns a business. So I mentioned that my dad is an architect. He's self-employed. Uh, my mom helps with the business doing the back office stuff and bookkeeping and stuff like that. 
that. So my dad is a different kind of entrepreneur than I am. Like I want to build a larger company. I have employees and I actually really enjoy having employees. My dad is the type he's like, I just want to design houses. I do not want to deal with having employees. He's been there. He hated it. But what's great about growing up in an entrepreneurial family is that it doesn't seem so crazy to you that you could make money from your own business because that's how my family always made money. So you just, uh, from that standpoint, you didn't really know any different. It's like, if I'm going to make a living, I might as well work for myself than work for someone else. Exactly. I I don't remember having the strong idea like, oh, I want to work for myself or I don't want to work for someone else. I just thought that was kind of a very viable option that I could do is work for myself. Yeah. And that's great to have that, to just know that it's an option versus reading about it or seeing other people doing it. You're like, that's cool for them, but that never worked for me. Exactly. I think a lot of people have this idea like, oh, it's so crazy to work for yourself or it's so risky or it's so difficult. Uh, and, And that's really not true. I mean, working for yourself does not mean starting the next Facebook. There's a lot of people that are self-employed that are super happy, you know, just making a nice income similar to their salary, but they have a lot more control over their time. For sure. So you wrap up high school, you plan on going to UT, you're planning on uh, Mm -hmm. studying design. So you're doing design, art, advertising, all of the above? or what's Yeah, my degree is is called advertising. And yeah, I basically studied marketing and advertising. So you've already had some of that kind of marketing component even in school. What were you hoping to do with that? Or what was it maybe that were you hoping that that would translate to long term? So I actually really wanted to do publication design. I really wanted to work in a magazine and design a magazine. That was my favorite type of design. And I had some internships. Um, There was a local college magazine at the time called Study Breaks that was in different college markets. And I was the designer for that. And I had an internship at Texas Monthly Magazine doing some design for them. So that's what I wanted. That was like my dream career. But uh, I found out that was very, very difficult. Most magazines only employ one designer to do the entire thing. So there's not there's not a ton of jobs in it. So you found like you sound like you were pretty locked in on once you started school that I want to do the magazine thing, I want to do the advertising, I want to do the design, kind of studying all these different pieces and components yeah. and I see how they come together. So it doesn't sound like you like really wavered much from that or kind of bounced around in other career tracks, just you had a pretty clear idea what you wanted to do. Yeah, that's correct. I mean I never changed my major. I actually graduated college in three years because I didn't change my major. So a lot of people I think it takes them a little longer because they start down one track, you know, and then decide they want to do something else. So yeah, at the time I was pretty clear, like I want to work in design in some way, whether it's at an ad agency or a magazine or something like that. So once you're doing the magazine, you're working with a couple of different companies doing that. Was it quickly realizing that maybe this isn't a good fit or this is possibly a good fit? I just got to figure out how to find the right company or how did that play out? Well, as I got closer to graduating and I started researching the job market more, one, I saw that I would need to live in New York. I mean, there's local magazines, you know, where I lived in Austin, they had some local kind of culture magazines. A lot of those only didn't even employ a designer, just worked with a freelancer. I would really need to move to New York if I wanted to work in magazines. And like I said, I started looking through the mastheads and realizing, oh, they have they have one person doing everything and maybe an intern. And I didn't really have a strong desire to move to New York. And I just started to think, you know what, this is going to be really a lot harder to get into than I realized. And at that point, I mean, I was still open to magazine design jobs, but then I realized I needed to expand my search to really just any kind of graphic design job. So then I was really looking at ad agencies because that's that's who's hiring most of the design jobs. So when you're realizing that maybe the magazine route isn't the best option, is that disappointing? Is that depressing? Is that do you feel like you the past few years of prepping towards that have been a waste or what's kind of going through your head then? It was a little disappointing. What was harder is I had kind of a big wake up call once I started looking for a design job and I realized I was competing with people who had gone to art school because the 
traditional path for being a graphic designer is you go to art school, you study design, and you spend four years building out a really advanced portfolio. My portfolio really, really sucked because I hadn't gone to art school. All I had was my design internships and other little projects I had done for just free little side jobs and stuff like that. My portfolio was really, really lacking. So when you're doing the internships, is it whatever you're doing, is it kind of resonating? Like, oh, yeah, this is it. I found that this is what I want to do. Or is it more like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I should keep looking. I enjoyed it. When I was doing the internships, I did think I really like doing design. This is what I want to do. Did you still kind of feel like, though, that I don't want to be working for someone else? I got to figure out how to make this on my own? Or or where did that piece come into play? No, I that was an epiphany I had once I was already at my first job because I hadn't had a real job. <laughs> I had had internships. You know what I mean? You, I you got a, you got a successful like. neighborhood dance camp going. Why would you need a real job? <laughs> like I didn't know what it was really like, you know, to sit in an office and work for someone else full time until I got my first real job. What was that first real job? So that was at an advertising agency in Chicago, uh, a really small local agency, about 15 people um, that specialized in, in the healthcare industry. Was that what you wanted to do? Like when you land that and you move out there, you're like, sweet, this is it. This is a long-term deal. Or, or no. <laughs> so, so for you, even going up there, going into it, you're like, uh, this is kind of a means to an end. It's going to pay the bills. It'll buy me some time. Yeah. I mean, basically, once I started looking for jobs, I had this big wake-up call. Like, well, I'm, it's going to be really hard for me to compete. My portfolio is really not as good as other people's. I went to a lot of interviews for jobs that I didn't get. I mean, I think I always feel for friends when they're unemployed I, being unemployed is just one of the hardest things in the world because you're trying so hard and it just feels so totally out of your hands you know looking for jobs all day and applying for jobs I remember watching a lot of Law and Order <laughs> during that period <laughs> and I was so happy just that like anyone had offered me a job so it wasn't the company had some problems so it wasn't really ideal but I you know I went for it anyway so you get up to Chicago you're doing mm-hmm. that how quick into it you realize this sucks I gotta get out <laughs> I realized some of the internal politics were pretty crazy pretty quickly. There was just a lot of problems with the owners and high turnover and, you know, just a lot of the sort of typical crazy stuff at agencies. So a few months in, I started being like, oh man, you know, is this, is this what it's like? And just a lot of workplace stuff, people being really mean to each other, which I is really common. You hear that so much, people having a lot of drama and, and hostility at work, which is so crazy to me now that I own a company. Like, who who puts up with that? You know, who finds that acceptable? It's so odd, but there was a lot of that there. So I started not loving it pretty quickly. And then it was, I was there for about a year and a half before I finally quit that job. So it sounds like, you know, part of it is, I'm not sure that I really like the work and I'm not really sure that I like what I'm doing from a day-to-day basis, but just the culture and the environment I'm coming mm-hmm. into is just is sucking the life out of me. And yeah. like, nobody likes it. We're on the same team, but nobody likes each other. And this is right. just awkward. So was it just kind of a mixture of both where you're finally like, all right, I, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, I went through a lot of, I thought, okay, what is it that I don't like? Maybe I want to work in a different industry. I was really, really active as a volunteer at the time. I had joined a board of a local organization and was spending a lot of time volunteering. And I thought, okay, maybe I want to work in the nonprofit world, or maybe I want to work like as a what's called an account executive and marketing, kind of more of like a client-facing strategy role because I was getting tired of doing design. What I didn't like about design is that you do kind of only one thing all day. So people who love design and are great at it, it's it's their dream because they get to design all day long. For me, I found it a little bit boring just to do design and I was very interested in kind of the marketing strategy and the client 
work, the kind of whole picture of what we did at the agency as opposed to just the design. Gotcha. So there's a few different pieces you liked, other pieces you didn't like. Culture's not healthy at all. Whenever you leave, did you just quit cold turkey or did you have something lined up or how did that transition take place? So it's kind of an interesting story. So, you know, I was looking at all these different options and I thought, what I really want to do is be a, a creative director at an agency because I saw that in the agency world, even when you're a designer, as you move up the ranks, you get a lot more involved in the strategic side. You know, you're not really doing the design, you're overseeing the design and you're overseeing how it fits in with a larger advertising and marketing campaign. And I thought that sounded really interesting. So I'm like, okay, I want to do that. And then I started looking at the career path and I'm like, okay, right now I'm a junior designer. So I'm going to be a junior designer and then maybe like associate designer and then designer and then senior designer and then art director and then creative director. You know, this I'm just starting out. This is like a 10 year path if I'm a superstar and doing really well. And 21 year old me was like, I don't want to wait 10 years <laughs> to do work, you know, to That's be awesome. able to do work that I actually enjoy. So then I started thinking, well, what if I, what if I work for myself? You know, if I'm doing freelance design, I get to do, I get to work with a client and I get to talk to them about the strategy of the project. And I kind of get to do everything that the agency is doing. So I saw that working for myself was the shortcut to get to do a lot of the different skills that I was interested in. It seems like a lot of people share that story where they're going, okay, I know what I want to do. I know what the end result is and the goal of where I'm headed. But in order to get there, I got to jump through all of these traditional hoops that just Mm -hmm. don't make any sense when if there's a way to shortcut or hack the system and not because like you think you're better or anything than someone else who's who's done the journey. But it's just like there's, you know, in our world today, there's just better ways to do it without having to go through that system. Yeah, absolutely. So I had this idea that I would freelance and I thought, okay, well, maybe I could go part time at my job because then I'd have best of both worlds where I'd still have a paycheck, but I'd, I'd be starting my freelance career too. And so I talked to the owners of the company about it and, and they actually agreed to it because I wasn't, they didn't have enough work for me to do anyway. I was really bored there. I didn't have work a lot of days. So I thought, you know, they can pay me less. I can show up part-time. And right before I was supposed to start my part-time schedule, maybe I'd have even been the day before one of the owners of the company called me into her office and she said, this isn't going to work for us. You know, you can't just be here half the time. You need to commit or not. You're, you're in or out. And so I quit. Wow. <laughs> were you surprised that that was the, like an ultimatum came or, or what was your thought? I was very surprised because I had been like, oh yes, you know, I get best of both worlds. I get to do exactly what I want to. And I was very, very frustrated and upset when she told me it wouldn't work out. I mean, still, I'm not really sure why she made that decision because like I said, they really did not have enough work for me. It still seems like it would have been a good win-win, but I'm thankful that that's how it played out because it pushed me, it, it pushed me to say, okay, then I have to quit. At that point, I had already bought into the idea that I was going to start freelancing soon. So I couldn't go back to just giving that up. And a lot of people start a freelance career or a side business while they're still working full time. Um, for some reason, I just never went down that avenue. I don't know. I'm not a workaholic naturally. I'm not someone who like stays up all night working. So maybe I just could not even conceive of having a whole other business after my normal job. Did you just feel like it was there just kind of that internal instinct that I could, I could quit the job on Friday and really start to make the freelance stuff happen on Monday? Or how do you, cause I mean, in the meantime, in the interim, you, you still got, you still got to pay bills. You want to eat and right. live indoors. So how does that come together for you? I mean, for me, it was a few things. 
One, I've, I've always been good with money. You know, I didn't have credit card debt. I had money saved up because I did have this plan that I was going to start freelancing part-time. So I knew my income was going to be cut in half. So I had saved up money anticipating that would happen. And also I was just really realistic about, you know, I'm going into a field where you can get paid right away. It's not like I was manufacturing something or, or building a software product where it was going to take six months before it could be released. I knew like, okay, all I need to do is find one client and then I'll get paid and then I'll have money, um, <laughs> which is true. But a lot of people don't really think that way. They kind of make it more complicated than it needs to be, or they spend all this time like trying to make all their marketing materials perfect. So I think it was really a blessing that I had to have a lot of hustle because I'm like, all right, I better find someone to hire me or I can't pay my rent. So at that point, are you thinking, man, maybe I need to find another job, you know, just something that I got kind of steady or secure, or are you just kind of like, no, 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 I'm going all in on this. I was definitely, I was definitely going all in because I just, I knew that the worst that could happen is that I would just have to find another job, you know, which isn't so bad. That, that's what I've been doing already. Right. So I would rather like exhaust my savings and then be like, okay, now I have to find a job as opposed to like starting out that way. Very cool. Uh, so even whenever you get that old ultimatum and you end up quitting or you walk away or they fire or whatever, did, so you didn't have any freelance clients lined up? I did not, which is really, which is You're, really unusual. You are crazy. Yeah. And I don't know if like I would really recommend that. Obviously, it's better if you can get a little work going on the side first. But like I said, I was like, all right, you know, where like where do I show up tomorrow? Who do I need to meet? Because I need to get some money coming in the door. Nice. Nothing like either quitting or being laid off or having a baby to force your hand. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. I got to figure this out now. Yep. Cool. So at the time, I'm sure you're, you know, part panic, but then also part relieved. And what's it like? I mean, the next day you just wake up and you're kind of like, oh, dear God, I got to figure out a way to make a living now because you got to make this work. Or are you overwhelmed or nervous or scared? Or what what are you thinking? I was excited. I was really, really excited. I mean, you know, there's obviously we're kind of telling the short version, but there's so many factors that went into me wanting to work for myself. And a big one was having control over my schedule. My best girlfriend from college at the time had gone out to LA to become an actress. And she wasn't a success yet. You know, she was still working in a restaurant part-time, like trying out for stuff. But I remember I went and visited her in LA and she had freedom over her schedule, even though she was, cause she was a waitress. So she could take a different shift. And I thought like my friends would come visit me in Chicago and I could only see them in the evening cause I had to work all day. And I just really, really wanted that freedom in my life to be able to do what I wanted with my time. And I'm like, who are these people, you know, having lunch in the middle of the day in my neighborhood, like that I see out in coffee shops in the middle of the day. I want to be one of those people. I was really excited to be one of those people. I just envisioned you going coffee shop to coffee shop in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, okay, you're here in the middle of the day. What do you do? How does, how does this work for you? <laughs> right. Exactly. So you're intrigued by doing this freelance thing or you know that this is the path of travel for now. What are you mm. doing freelance? Just design work? Yep, design work. So just for local businesses, like business cards, websites, whatever, whatever they need. And how are you getting the, are you just calling? Are you just cold calling? You getting on the phone? What are you doing? Networking events. So I went to all the different, like in Chicago, there, there were different, I mean, I'm sure there still are different chambers of commerce for every neighborhood. And I'm like, okay, I need to meet business owners. So business owners are members of the chambers of commerce and they go to the networking events. So that's what I did. You're just hustling, just constantly going to networking events, just trying to meet people and 
And so clearly, like, you're obviously getting business from that and things are starting to come together. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling like, okay, I'm just, uh, the more business I'm getting, I'm seeing that this is a, a logical path to travel. I can make a, a difference or I can make a, a living doing this that maybe I can just, I'll just do that. I'll just be a solopreneur, a little a freelancer and have my own little shop and do that for the next several years. Or when do things start to kind of shift toward the social media stuff for you? Yeah. So my first year, so I had been making about 30000 a year at my job and I was able to make that my first year freelancing. So I'm like, you know, I think for a lot of people, that's the goal, like just replace the money that I was making for my job. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I can do that. And then my next year freelancing, I doubled it. I made about like 65,000 the next year. So that, you know, that was such a huge goal for me. I was just incredibly proud of myself that I had made it there. But that's when I started to really see, okay, there's a ceiling on this. You know, I'm making 65,000 a year, but like, I can't go to any more networking events, (laughs) you know? Um, And also I'm, I'm spending all my time designing. I don't really have much more time to take on much more work. And so that's when I really started to see, okay, because I had this big goal to make it to six figures, which, you know, I know is another big goal a lot of people share. Like, I want to make $100,000 a year. And I saw that I really couldn't do it in my current model, you know, unless I was working 24-7. And it would just be really hard to get there. So I thought, okay, do I want to make, do I want to build my own design agency? You know, that's one way that you can get there. And I really didn't want to have my own agency. So that's when I decided, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to quit being a designer and I'm going to start something new. And and at the time, so that was in 2008, and social media had had started to become a big deal. You know, that was when Twitter was new. People were starting to use Facebook for their business. Like pages didn't exist yet, but Facebook had opened up to everyone. So by the time I was freelancing for two years, I was doing almost all web work for small businesses, and they would ask me. You know, I would talk to them about all sorts of online marketing stuff, driving traffic, and they'd start to ask me about social media. And so more and more people kept telling me, you know, I would pay you like just to tell me about social media. And I'm like, what? You know, it's yeah. like you could get paid for telling people about social media. Really, sign me up. You know, <laughs> it's way easier than making a website for you. So <laughs> I could see like that there was this limited ceiling to the web design work. Um, social media, I didn't really know yet. You know, I started out just doing consulting, so that's the same model. I didn't have like the big vision yet, but I knew that that would that would be fun for me, and I knew that I wanted to shift to something else. So I actually, again, like <laughs> I make pretty drastic decisions. I actually fired all of my web design clients. That's crazy. All of my design clients. Everybody. Every single person. And even I had this one client that was paying me 30,000 a year just from that one client because I was just doing all sorts of work for them. Um, and I knew that they would keep being like one more little project one. And, and they did try to come back. But I knew that for me, if I was still doing design, that was like, that was a crutch. That was easy money for me. And I didn't want to do design anymore. So similar to how I was like, okay, I just have to quit my job and I'm going to make money. I knew that if I said I am not accepting a dollar in design work anymore, I knew that I would be able to make it work making money with the social media consulting. Dang, you're just hardcore. Like burn the boats. We're going to figure this <laughs> yeah. out. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. All right. So you fire everybody. Are you are you starting to pick up some consult- consulting stuff on the social media or how does that come to play? Yeah. So and I had a change of city at the same time. So I moved to Los Angeles from Chicago at the end of 2008. So it's just always kind of when you move to a new city, kind of a nice chance to be like, okay, I'm going to change the things that weren't working. I'm going to try something different. And although the networking events had worked really well, 
well for me as a way to start my business, it's it's not a very leveraged way to market yourself. You know, you're there in person meeting people. And like I was telling my clients about online marketing, but I wasn't really doing it myself. So in 2009, when I decided just to focus on social media, I focused much more on I started a newsletter and I was doing my own social media marketing for my own business and blogging. Um, and I started to find clients that way instead. Gotcha. So things are starting to come together, starting to pick up. Is it still just consulting mm-hmm. as in the traditional sense of it, of just kind of one-on-one and trading time for dollars? So that's that's how I started. Pretty quickly, though, I discovered the online training model. Um, I think I did my first online course, which was a course about Twitter, how to use Twitter for marketing, in like February or March 2009. And I remember I made $3,000 selling that course. And I was like, $3,000? Like, that was a contract that I used to chase up for consulting. Right. You know, that was, I would spend months trying to get someone to pay me $3,000, you know, to help them with their social media. Like, I can just sell this course and I can make $3,000. Sweet. And so that was another kind of like, okay, the, this is it for me. Like, I just really loved that model. You know, I'm tech savvy, so I found it pretty easy to set up. I found it fun and interesting. So after I did that first course, I really wanted to make my business doing courses and not consulting, which also, like I said, I wanted to hit six figures. I wanted to do something more scalable and that's a much more scalable model. So kind of over, over the next few years, it was a while before I quit doing consulting entirely, but I always had a goal of like, I want to make my money from the courses and not from consulting. So I was very aware not to do too much of it. Um, and I did cut it off entirely at a certain point, just so that again, it was, it was sort of a crutch that I didn't want. Gotcha. Very cool. You know, you bring out a lot of good points there of not only were you continually like honing in on what are you good at and what do you enjoy doing and how do those things translate to a business or a career, but also the traits of the type of work environment you want to be a part of. You know, mm-hmm. so going back to the ad agency in Chicago, you're going, okay, quickly realize I don't like this. I like working with a bunch of people and just kind of this drama filled work environment. And then shifting to a different thing, going, okay, I'm working with clients. I'm working for myself, so that's closer to what I wanted, mm-hmm. but I'm working with clients on a one on one setting. Okay, I'm realizing that doesn't scale. So let's pivot again. Let's shift again. Mm-hmm. And just always kind of like recognizing where you're at and kind of, okay, I like this. I don't like this. Let's figure out how to do more of what I like and less of what I don't like or more of the type of optimal environment. And it sounds like you've been able to just kind of make those shifts along the journey. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a great takeaway because I think that is absolutely how it happened for me, how it happens for most people. And that's really important to hear because a lot of people have this idea in their head, like I have to figure out exactly how it's going to look before I start it. But it's very, very rare that that happens. It's usually more gradual incremental change and, and figuring out what you like and what works for you along the way. So you're building, you're starting to build out these courses on, on social media marketing mm-hmm. and, and Twitter and Facebook are starting to come on the scene. LinkedIn comes in to play. So when is it that you, you really start gaining traction and you're building out these courses and you start to see like, hey, I, I think this could actually be something. I think because I think you, you got a little bit of both. Like you've got the mm-hmm. I burned the boats. I fired all my clients. Mm-hmm. So I've got to make this work. Mm-hmm. But then you got to get to a point too where you're like, no, no, I see how this actually this is going to work. And I'm not just wishing and hoping, but I, I see the path of travel now. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty successful pretty early on. I did. I did hit six figures in 2009. So that was in my very first year of doing my social media business. So I was like, okay, (laughs) this is working, you know, for me to be able to get there within a year was, was pretty amazing because I felt like I had made progress much more quickly than I had doing design. Of course, it's also because I had learned a lot over the past two years of running the design.
design business. I'm just, I'm very interested in entrepreneurship. I'm very interested in how businesses are run. So I sought out a lot of friends and a lot of mentors who gave me advice from about financials, about bringing on additional freelance help. Um, I was a very like rabid learner. And in that, especially in that, in 2009, in that first year, I was going to so many like seminars and stuff, um, just asking people millions of questions, like, how do you run a business? How does it work? So I learned a lot and, and I was able to make it pretty stable and pretty successful pretty quickly. How are you getting in front of these people and just making connections with them? Because I think a lot of people that may be listening to this, they have their idea of these are people in my own field or, or sphere of influence that I'm, well, I really, I would love to connect with them. I would love to, you know, quote unquote, pick their brain, but mm-hmm. obviously they're busy and they have a lot going on. How are you building some of these relationships with some of these mentors that really helped not only give you advice, but just open doors and make some connections for you that maybe you wouldn't be able to make on your own. I mean, I think it's all about meeting people in person. And Grant, you are like the king of that. Like I was like, wait, do I know him already? Like, I just feel like I'm friends with you as soon as I start talking to you. Um, it's because you've been rubbing grease in my face this whole conversation. <laughs> so yeah, Grant, Grant and I met um, for the first time, like, I don't know, maybe two months ago at, at a conference at Pioneer Nation. And I mean, that's how I've met all of my friends, like a lot of it at conferences, just introducing myself to people chatting with people. And I think it's really, really hard to form really solid relationships with people that you haven't met. I mean, I have friends that are like internet friends that I talk to on Skype and I I love having internet friends, but if you, to be able to like sit down with someone and have a really in-depth conversation, uh, you, you have to get out there and meet people in person, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think, you know, the conference that you and I connected at in Portland, we went to Chris Gillibo's Pioneer Nation and, you know, not only just meeting each other, but several of the other people we met. Mm. It's one thing if we all email or, or chat offline and just kind of, okay, I have this idea of who this person is, but yeah, everything gets sped up dramatically when you mm. get to hang out with those people in person. And, and even like our conversation now, now, you know, realistically, I understand that you're busy and you've got a business and you have a lot going on. And so it's tougher to even connect with someone like yourself or some of the, some people in that space. But having met you in person, I, I feel a lot more comfortable giving you crap mm-hmm. about Greece. And, you know, <laughs> knowing that, you know, we had multiple times where three, four, five of us who were sitting down at dinner and not just talking about business, but just talking mm-hmm. about life. You know, I remember mm-hmm. you and I and two other people, we were sitting there having dinner uh, and just sharing life and our fears and doubts and insecurities Mm -hmm. and and those just kind of internal struggles that we all deal with as entrepreneurs and business owners, but just reminding each other that, hey, we're all in the trenches together and we're all trying to figure this out. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all nailed. And uh, it just reminds us like how much easier that is to happen and propel that relationship in person than you could offline. Absolutely. And I found that just like after you've hung out with someone in person just once, like you are, you're just, you're so in with that you know, because you get to have those deeper conversations. So yeah, after after you've connected in that way, sending them an email being like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to solve this financial problem. Like, how did you do it? It really feels very natural. And I yeah, would feel comfortable approaching like any of the people that we were hanging out with, with a pretty detailed question about their business. And I feel confident they'd be happy to spend a little bit of time answering it. Yeah, I feel like you're saying that we're BFFs and I appreciate that. <laughs> but I'm in Missouri and you're in Greece. So so what would you like looking back now? I mean, obviously, you're doing well and, and the business has been very successful. And and I think it's you're doing something you love. But I think a huge, huge piece of this is you've been able to create a lifestyle that you want. And I know that's a big conversation mm-hmm. we had in, in Portland of just saying that the business is just part of my life, but it isn't my life. And mm-hmm. so being able to I remember you shared a story from stage of saying, hey, you know, my husband and I were able to take the spur of the moment trip to Paris. Why? Just because we could and just because mm-hmm. we built a business in such a way that it allowed us that that 
freedom. And so I think you've been so, so smart and so strategic in having that as part of the goal and not like arriving at the goal and being like, oh, crud, this, I climbed the mountain, but it's not the mountain right. I want to be on. I want to be over there, but now i got to go all the way down and come back up. And so even recognizing that along the way, we've talked about it, just having, having some of those pivots to realize, okay, I know what I'm shooting for. It's got to be a great feeling, feeling like you've pretty well honed in on what you want to do and what you want your life to look like. And it seems like from the outside looking in that you're, you're living it today. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy to say that I have <laughs> a, a pretty awesome life. And it, at the same time, it is a constant process. Like I, I think it can be a hard thing to stay true to yourself. You always have to keep checking in. I knew for me, being able to travel a lot, being able to have a lot of time freedom was really important for me. And that's something I was really conscious in. You know, something that's still a struggle is thinking about, okay, like, how much money do I want to make? You know, how how big do I go? Because like many entrepreneurs, you know, I have no shortage of ideas. I have tons of business ideas that I could start. And I'm like, okay, I know I, I can make a lot more money doing that. I could probably be successful doing that. But do I need more money? You know, is that really how I want to spend my time? And I think it's really important to ask those questions. Yeah, for sure. If you were to, to, let's wrap up with this, put a bow on this whole conversation with, with this. If you were looking back to your, you know, your mid 20 self and, you know, you're, you get the ultimatum from the, the boss um, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of feeling in that transitional period of, I'm not really sure what I want to do and I'm not really sure how to create that lifestyle I want to have. What piece of advice would you give to yourself looking back today? I mean, I think it's just all about one step at a time. Like we talked about just seeing one little piece of it, you know? So if it's, it's always been your dream to travel, then you can choose something that allows you to travel, which a lot of careers you can now, you know, being a freelance designer or developer or copywriter, like anything that you can do freelance over the computer, you can do anywhere in the world. There's a lot of options for you. Or maybe there's a certain industry that you've always dreamed of working in and you can go just start at the bottom of that industry, you know, see if you like it, like see what it's really like. You don't have to get it all figured out. You don't have to know the ultimate dream. Like just take a step in a direction that, that feels inspiring to you. Cool. Well, very cool. Great. Well said. You've inspired us. Ms. Roeder, nice job. Excellent. Uh, all right, so to, to wrap this up here, if we want to find out more on the social media stuff, you are the queen in this space. So where, where do we go? How do we find out more about you? Yeah, go to my website, lkrsocialmedia.com, or you can find me on Twitter, and my Twitter handle's LKR. LKR it is. We will seek you out there and stalk you and learn your bits of wisdom and where, uh, where you are bouncing around in the world. So, <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for the time. Uh, enjoyed chatting with you, and we'll catch you again soon. All right. Thank you, Grant. Bye. All right, there you have it. Little interview with Laura Roeder there, kind of hearing her story again. Super fascinating stuff about she was someone who uh, really kind of honed in on the kind of lifestyle she wanted to have on multiple occasions where she walked away from something that was working, something that was known to chase something that was unknown because she knew what was known wasn't the kind of life that she wanted to create for herself. So what is that for you? What is that for you where you're you're doing something now, maybe it's some type of job or some type of work or you're working with a client and you know it just it doesn't it doesn't lead to the kind of life that you want to have. What's your exit strategy on that? It doesn't mean that you're going to fire that client or quit that job today, but maybe for you you just need to begin thinking where am I going long term and what steps do I need to take in order to get there. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Again, you can find all the show notes, everything that we talked about and discussed, information about Laura's social media marketing skills. Uh, you can find all of that at grantbaldoncom slash Laura Roeder, R-O-E-D-E-R. So make sure you check that out. 
Also, as I've been drilling in your heads lately, we are um, uh, running this this contest right now that's going to actually end this week. You only have a few more days. So if you are listening to this into the future, if it's more than a few days into the future, you have missed your window of opportunity, my friend. I am sorry. I still love you. But uh, if you are listening to this in the present, as in uh, deadline of June 13th, 2014, we're running a contest that ends June 13th, 2014, where we're going to be giving away a bunch of different prizes. So make sure that you stop by grantbaldwin.com slash contest and a few simple steps that you can take there in order to enter the contest. We're going to be giving away an iPad, uh, 100 bucks to Amazon, coaching session with me, just some cool prizes to uh, help you help us promote this new podcast and just share it with people who, uh, who need to hear it, who need to hear stories like Laura's, who want to create a lifestyle that they are proud of, a lifestyle that they want to have, but just aren't sure how to actually do that. And so uh, if you can help us out with that by going to grantbaldon.com slash contest, following the simple steps there, that would be glorious. All right, that wraps up this session. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really, really appreciate it. I hope you learned something. I hope you gained something. I hope this uh, this interview and all of the episodes and interviews have been helpful and uh, valuable to you. All right, we'll talk to you real soon. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.